belong, become, believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. The message for March 20th, 2022 is called Pickled. The speaker is John Ray and the location is Clap Auditorium, Mount Sequoia in Fayetteville, Arkansas. So again, welcome. My name is John Ray. Glad you're here at Grace Church this morning. So we have this kind of ongoing joke in my family. Um, people will ask, do you like pickles? To me. And as soon as this question is asked, all my family will start to roll their eyes. Because they know that I'm going to go into my monologue. <laughs> And my monologue goes something like this. I love pickles. I love pickled jalapenos. I love pickled cauliflower. I love pickled olives. I love pickled... I love kimchi. I love sauerkraut. I love everything pickled. Except for pickled cucumbers. It's huh. <laughs> the one thing that I absolutely detest. Are pickled cucumbers. And as we all know... Usually when someone says, do you like pickles, they're talking about pickled cucumber. They're not talking about this vast variety of other pickled things out there, which are wonderful, this gift from God of pickled things. They're only talking about that speaking cucumber as being a pickle. Well, that's just a little insight into our family, but you are going to see here this morning, how pickles play a strong place in our faith and in our discipleship and in our following of Jesus. But so hold that thought. This week, we start a deep dive into the book of Mark. So we finished up our Jesus around the tables. We're going into this Mark, the study of Mark, which we carry us all the way through the summer with this. And uh, it's really important that we understand as we as we begin this study some of the background on Mark. So I'm going to get a little theologically nerdy with you to start, but there is something called Markan primacy. So when we think about how the Gospels were developed, how they were recorded, because we know that the Gospels were a collection of stories of eyewitness accounts that were formed into a narrative that were shared to people who hadn't actually encountered Jesus. So everything that we read, when we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, which are known as the Gospels, are stories, are the written down stories that were first told um, verbally. They were passed down verbally. So, So the stories formed first as stories that were told to each other before they were ever written down. And then the question comes, well, what was the first one that was written down? So, Lance, I want you to stand up. Okay, so Lance represents Mark. So Mark, we understand, was the first one that we know about. But Kelly, I want you to stand up. Now, there is a source that we're not sure about. 
but that is hinted to, that isn't its own book, but that scholars believe was written down, which is called Q, which is short for the German word for source. It's, the German word is, I can't pronounce it right, I don't speak German, but it's like quell, source. That the, they Scholars believe that there was a written down source, and they, but we didn't get, we never, it never came down, it never was passed down, it was called Q. Now, I want you to stand up, Sean, in front of Lance. Oh, oh. Okay, <laughs> good. <laughs> now, Kelly and Lance, I want you to put your hands on Sean's shoulder. Wow. So Sean is Matthew. Oh. Sean is the book of Matthew. So the book of Matthew came to us with Matthew's own idea, but in conversation, or in a way, taking what was passed down by Mark, and what was Q to Matthew. Now, Ellen, I want you to stand up by Sean. <laughs> now, Ellen represents Luke. Now, so Lance and Kelly, put your other hand on Ellen's shoulder. <laughs> what about my feet? <laughs> We're getting there. And then, Sean and Ellen hold hands. Aww. Okay? So this represents how we got the Gospels. Right here. Is that Mark and Q both influenced Matthew and Luke, and then Matthew and Luke were in dialogue together with that. Y'all can sit down. Thank you for doing that. Where's John? Yeah, where's John? John is like Brian in the back, (laughs) overhearing stuff. (laughs) Like John was on his phone. He was like, I know that Jesus loves me. So he added in some stuff. But that's a great that's a great observation. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke are, Luke are called the Synoptic Gospels. Eighty percent of the content content is shared between the three books. John is not a Synoptic Gospel. It is it is a different account written from a different view. And a few years back, we actually took three years as Grace Church and went through the Synoptic Gospel. Learned a lot. It's it's fascinating to do that. It's like going from kind of a black and white old movie into like. IMAX 3D color, we put all three of the synoptic accounts together. It's really, really fun with that. But all that is to say that when we study Mark, we have to hold in our mind that this is probably the most original account that we have of Jesus and the disciples. So we need to pay special attention in a way to that. Not, not more than Mark, or Matthew, Luke, or John, but just in a way that understands, hey, this is kind of maybe the most original thing that they were still developing. And here's the thing, is that they were still developing the story even after Mark was written. That's a very important thing to remember. So that the story was continuing. People were filling in the details. People were remembering other things as they went. And, and they, in math, Mark interacted with Matthew and Luke. They were like, oh yeah, but don't forget this part. And so maybe Matthew added that in. Luke was like, yeah, but don't forget this part. Okay. And so we get a, a robust narrative as we go with that. Um, so how are we going to approach Mark? Because there's all kinds of ways. Listen, we can spend years going through Mark. But we're, we're going to choose to kind of do it thematically. There's three big themes in Mark as we go. And what we're going to do is Instead of like trying to go through every verse, which would be very difficult, we're going to kind of hit these themes, and we're really going to, when we get to the parables, we're really going to focus in on the parables. 
the story form as we do this, as we go through Mark. And as we do this, we need to remember a few things. First, like I said, it's this idea of Markham Tennyson, which I promise Laura help you come up with a better word than that theological way to say that. But um, <coughs> we're going to remember that. We're also going to remember what makes Mark unique. We, again, I want us to see this with new eyes. <coughs> Mark leaves out, leaves out, there's no mention of two of the most important aspects of Christian theology in Jesus' life. There is no birth narrative in Mark. There's a reason why you'll never hear Mark preached at Christmas. Because Mark totally ignores Mary, Joseph, flight into Egypt, all of that. Temple, presentation of the temple, Prophecies were given. Mark, like for some reason, that was not important enough to Mark at the time to include in his story. And you might be, we, we might forgive Mark for that. We might say, hey, well, he's really just concentrating on Jesus' life. It's just important. But the other thing he forgets is any witness to the resurrection. It ends with kind of this rumor that Jesus wasn't dead, but there's no there's no witness to the resurrection, and there's no witness to the ascension, and there's no, like we talked about last week, with Jesus appearing to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, there's none of that. In there. And that ought to cause us to stop and say, not are these things important or not, but really, what is Mark trying to tell us? You see, I think Mark is trying to specifically tell us something, and he wants to do it in a way that says, hey, I'm, I'm really going to focus in on this thing. I'm not going to try to cover everything. I'm not going to try to get it all. But I, here's what I want you to know. And that's where this last thing that makes that makes um, Mark so important is the, the way that Mark structures the story is that the, the most common word in Mark is straight away. It's like Jesus will say something and straight away he wouldn't hear. The disciples will hear something, straight away he wouldn't hear. Someone comes to be healed, straight away Jesus. It's an action. Mark is an action-packed book, narrative. It's almost like a, an illustrated graphic novel, comic book, if you will. It's, it's biff, bam, zoom. Like, it's all the exciting things with it. Like, Mark is all about action with it. And again, when we understand that he's leaving out the, the, the birth narrative and he's leaving out the, the witness to the resurrection, what we see is that Mark wants us to pay attention to what Jesus did and how people respond. That's the thing. So this is going to be the theme for us as we study. Is, okay, we're going to put ourselves as those readers and say, what is it that Jesus is telling us to straight away go do? What is my response going to be? We talked about it a lot last week about how our discipleship just skews towards more information. We're information addicts. We just want more and more information. But when it comes to action, we're very like, well, maybe later. We just consume more information, consume more information. Action becomes less. 
More information, less action. More information, less doing. So Mark is going to serve for us as Grace Church, hopefully, as something to reset. But you know what? Information is important. We've got to have it. But we're going we're gonna to kind of bring back on the information, bring up on the action. Um, there's a theologian named Bowersmith. He said, he said, rather than ask why God wants Jesus to die the way he did, we should ask why God wants Jesus to live his, the way he did. And why this way of life led us to want to kill him. Like, we want to look at Jesus' life. Yes, his death was important. Yes, the way he was born was important. But what is it about Jesus' life? What is it that Jesus' life has to tell us? And then let's do something about it. Okay, so enough pretext. Let's look. When we start at the beginning, Mark 1, verse 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you to prepare the way. We sang that today. The voice of the one shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. In the wilderness, John the baptizer began preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. People from the whole Judean countryside and all of Jerusalem were going out to him. And he was baptizing them in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. John wore a garment made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts of all honey. He proclaimed, one more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to bend down and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth, Nazareth, Nazareth in Galilee. He was baptized by John in the Jordan River. And just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and dove descending on him like and a voice came from heaven, you are my one dear son, and you have to bear your life. The Spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days and during temptation. So a couple quick notes. One, it's really interesting. I love this passage of the temptation in the wilderness because each Sean, Ellen, and Lance all use different words in their yeah. gospel <laughs> narratives. Um, one says call. One says sent, and Mark says, literally kicked out into, propelled, thrown into the wilderness with it. Each one of the gospel writers uses a different verb there. Um, and our big idea here is I want us to see is that baptisms are a serious thing. You see, our baptism, both with water and the spirit, are often the signal that significant change is going to happen. So I was over at Brian's house the other night, Drew and Ian and I were talking about pickles with this. Now it's important to know that baptism, like so much when we study, we read the Greek, baptism is not a translated word. We talk about grace, charts, it's a translated word. Baptism is literally baptizo in the Greek. It, we take the word straight from Greek. We don't translate it. We just kind of change the ending a little bit with it. But it's not a translated word. It is the word. And it's important for us to know what the difference and what the word we're using. So, I want to show you something, guys. The dreaded cucumber. <laughs> the thing that makes awful pickles things. So, 
How many of you have made pickles? Charlie, you made a pickle? Anybody? Drew, you made a pickle? Who's made a pickle? Adults, too. It's okay. Got a few pickles. Yeah, sure. Okay. So this is a jar of vinegar. This is a cucumber. Did I just make a pickle? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, why? Takes time. So has to marinate. Has to marinate. Has to. We have to heat it up, right? So, but what I did is I baptized this cucumber. <laughs> this is a bapto in Greek, which means to dip. So when Jesus at the Last Supper dipped the bread and gave it to the disciple who was going to betray him, he said he baptized him. Now, the word used here, the word used in every baptism is baptizo. So it's important to understand. Babto means to dip. Dip in water. John, in a way, even though he uses baptizing, he was dipping people in the water. They were coming out. Jesus, in the spirit, baptizo. It's a different Greek word that we get our word baptism from. It's baptizo. And what happens when you baptizo something is you utterly transform it. We like to think of baptism when we went in the water as just this one-time thing that changed. And it does. It's significant. It is, a, it is a significant signifier. But it is the start to a transformation process. It is not the process in and of itself. So what we're going to do is I'm going to leave this jar of pickles on the communion table for our entire study of Mark. This is going to be our visual cue, our visual reminder of what is going on in Mark, of the change, the transformation that is taking place. It is going to be our visual reminder that Jesus, when we are baptized, because we have to understand the sequence of events here. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but we have to understand the sequence of events. Jesus goes to the Jordan River. John baptizes him. The voice of God comes from the heaven. This is my son, and I am well pleased, right? You would think, this is great. Let's go have a party. It's going to be awesome. Let me call my disciples. Let me start doing miracles. Let me start preaching. No. You are my son. I'm well pleased. Booted into the wilderness to endure temptation, deprivation, transformation for 40 days. Y'all, again, it's hard for us in our society where all these concepts and things seem so tame. Baptisms, you know, you send out an announcement, your family comes, you take pictures, whether you're baptized as an infant or a young person, an older person, everybody cheers and cheers, oh, it's great. And you say, now things are going to be easier. Now things are going to be better. That's not the way it happens. Most of the time. Most of the time, our baptism, that act of obedience, actually invites the Spirit of God to baptize us and then to transform us. And let me tell you, transformation is never easy. It's often catastrophic, traumatic. You don't go 
from this to this without some cutting, some heating, some sealing off, and a whole lot of time. The incredible thing is that we don't do that alone. Jesus himself went through. Again, we believe as Christians that our God is not a God who says, do this, don't do that, I'll bless you if you do this, I'll curse you if you don't, if you do that, while I just sit aloof, apart, immutable, unaffected by your feelings, your sufferings, your questions. No. We believe as Christians that our God entered into all of that with us. That there is nothing ever that God asks of us that God, God's self has not done first. Has not experienced in full. God has experienced all of so we have someone that we can follow. And again, I think that's the significance here about Mark, is that Mark's trying to get us to see that everything Jesus is calling us to do, Jesus himself did. While that is not going to necessarily make it easier or less traumatic, it aids us as we go through that thing. It gives us confidence and assurance as we are going through it, that we're not the first to endure these things, and we are not enduring these things alone. So I want to ask us, oh, and here, well, here's the other thing, right, is that we, we practice water baptism, and that's a very important thing that we do, but I think we often neglect the ongoing baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, we don't have evidence of Jesus baptizing anyone in the water. But we have the promise and the declaration that Jesus is going to be baptizing people with the Spirit. There are a lot of ways to interpret this. But the way that I understand it is that this process of transformation that Jesus is calling us into, each one of us, collectively and individually, takes time. You, you don't just make a pickle by dipping something into the vinegar and you're done. It takes time. And so this ongoing presence of the Spirit in our lives, in our community, is continually transforming us. And so as we move through time, we often experience it as new. Something is new. We were one way, something happens, then we change the fall. So in a way, we are being baptized throughout our life. We, we were baptized, but we are being baptized as we go through our life. By the Spirit of God that dwells within us. Dwells within us as individuals. Dwells with dwells within us as a community. We've seen this as a church. We've seen that any great change, you get kicked out the wilderness. Sometimes you get called out the wilderness. Sometimes it's gentle. Sometimes it's urgent. We just send you out. And other times it is totally against our will. 
I can't explain it, but that's what I see. I see the way God does things. I see the way God baptizes us. Sometimes it's a gentle call. Hey, come follow me. Come, come experience this. Come be changed. And we, and we say yes. And we go. We follow. Other times it's like, hey, you really need to go. <laughs> like this is the time you need to go. And we're like, well, okay, maybe I'll, 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 I'll go. And other times we just find ourselves there. We didn't want to go. We didn't wish for it. We don't want to be there. It's not where we are. In each of those, though, we still always have a choice. We may not have a choice into the wilderness, which we're thrust, which we're kicked. We do have a choice how to respond to we there. We always have that choice. So I want to ask you this. Because we're moving from information to action, because I want to see Mark as a reset, it changes from just more information to action. I want to ask you right now. This is this is an old Ignatian practice, and I want you to think about as I read this story again. What do you notice, and what do you discern? All right. So this is going to be an active thing. So just in the future, for Mark, make sure you bring your notes or get your phone out or anything you can take notes on. But I'm going to ask you this question, these two questions, and I want you to respond. I want you to write it down. I want you to be intentional somehow about what you're going to leave here to do. And I don't want you to do it out of, well, maybe do it out of obligation. Yeah, if, if obligation is what takes you to do it, then you need to do this. Telling you to do this. You're obligated. Um, what, what do you notice? as you hear these words again. <laughs> and then what do you discern from that? In other words, what are you, what are you supposed to do with it? All right? So everybody, if you're down on your phone, this is totally appropriate time to be just hammering away with your thumbs on this. All right. So I'm going to read, I'm going to read the text again. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare the way. The voice of the one shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. In the wilderness, John the baptizer began preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. People from the whole Judean countryside and all of Jerusalem were going out to him. And he was baptizing them in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. John wore a garment made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. And he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one more powerful than I am is coming after me. I am not worthy to bend down and untie the strap of his sandals. 
I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan River. And just as Jesus was splitting apart, the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my dear son. In you, I take great delight. The Spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, enduring the temptation of Satan. Let's just take a moment and be silent. What are you noticing right now? What are we discerning? Does anyone want to share? Does anyone have something that stuck out to you? I'm going to ask Alex and the team to come back up. I know that's a bit of a deal. Shocking. It's shocking when we read it. When we really read the words, it is a shocking passage. Anyone else? So I want to encourage you to continue to reflect on this, talk about it at your table fellowships. Um, we have some questions in our learning guide that will help bring that along. At Grace Church, we, we understand that being welcome to belong is not the same thing as never being challenged to change. Instead, it provides the necessary community for all good and true transformation to happen. This is the process of becoming more and more like Jesus. The language of our faith is also being transformed as we experience the movement of God the Holy Spirit in us, among us, and through us. And just as one final thing, too, no two baptisms are the same because we're all different. So when I look at my baptism, this is the one that I like. <laughs> Baptize is the baptized jalapeno, not the cucumbers with that. But we're going to keep this here as our reminder during the study of Mark of what Mark is after. We're going to take communion now. Our communion table is open to everyone. Just to maintain the six feet distance, six foot distance as you're coming up um, to take it. Uh, when, you, when you take the elements, go ahead and take them. We won't wait and take all the way. Just take them here. Again, it's open to everyone who's seeking Jesus. We also use this time for continued reflection, which we've already started. And our time for taking our offering. You take a physical offering or you can do it online. That is a reminder that no one here is without something to give. And no one here is without a need. So it's part of our worship. Our giving is part of sharing with that. And uh, 
Thank you for being here. I'm really grateful. Thank you for listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. You can find more about us online at gracechurchmwa.org. Grace and peace.